Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It is Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you as the next hour we'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. That's how we do it here on the show. It was good to get boxing back this week. Uh, you had top-ranked boxing, Shakur Stevenson taking on Felix Caraballo and a uh, mid-round knockout for Shakur Stevenson. I tell you what, it, I think Shakur Stevenson gets the award for uh, gets the award for best fighter with no with with no crowd noise because he put a shot on Caraballo that. I mean, Carvalho was writhing in pain, getting right to the right, right to the breadbasket, uh, left to the breadbasket rather, and uh, and the young buck gets one. Look, man, he had uh, he had some good showcase for him. I, I thought people were a pain in the ass, you know, the people who were like, "Ooh, no word, anybody." Dude, I mean, these guys, they, you know, they're they're hard up to train right now. People are just starting to get back into the swing of things. Um, he's young. He's not. He's not quite at that point where it's just like, like what is? He, I think that put him to fourteen and zero. You know, can we get it? Can he get to twenty fights before everybody's like, fight somebody? You know, we saw this in the UFC pretty recently with uh, with Chase Hooper. Chase Hooper, twenty years old, and they threw him in there with Bruce Leroy, and Bruce Leroy, you know, kind of chewed him up for dinner. Like it was just like ah, this. You just saw, you saw the the two of them throwing thry, in the in the in the fight pan, and Bruce Leroy just a little bit too seasoned. For Chase Hooper's ass, so uh, I I didn't mind it. I thought it was it was great to have boxing back. Uh, it was fun, and uh, it was a nice showcase for Shakur. So good for him, um, and and obviously uh, great for the Sweet Science to be back. And the big news this week, of course, was the agreement upon Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. They have come to a two fight deal. They uh, they will go fifty fifty the first way around, sixty forty to the winner. Um, so we got that fight, which is good. I mean, it does lead to the fact of um, we're going to have an undisputed champion one way or another, I imagine, um, because I'm sure it's all prevalent on De on Tyson Fury beating Anthony Joshua. The one thing you got to say about Tyson Fury and his whole deal is, you know, Tyson Fury doesn't have one of these typical straight up with top ranked deals. He's kind of got a lot of people who help him, manage him, MTK, Frank Warren, all that type of stuff. He gets these deals done. You know, he 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 came back uh, from his comeback against, uh, you know, losing all the weight and whatnot, had a couple fights, fought Deontay Wilder when a lot of people thought it was too it was too soon to do so. Rematch wasn't too big of an issue. 
Uh, they had a deal in place to, you know, they both had another fight, had the rematch, which was a two fight deal, just like this one. They have their third fight probably coming up at the end of the year. And then, you know, right down the way, he has the AJ fight in, in, in the marks. And some people may be like, oh, you're going to overlook, you're going to overlook. You know, Tyson Fury is a lot of things, but you could say, you could say for this, he does say what he means, you know, like he doesn't, he, 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 he isn't one of these guys where like, you know, a lot of people thought, ah, him walking down Deontay Wilder, him putting his weight on him. It's all a bunch of crap. Did exactly what he said he was going to do. And so I don't think it's going to be a case of him looking ahead and looking forward. Um, so it's kind of cool that we have, we have this matchup put forth. It's, um, you know, I'm not ruling Deontay Wilder out yet. I still think that he's got the ability to go out there and upset Tyson Fury. Some small adjustments have to be made for sure. Um, he definitely looks like he's got to be in better shape for this one as far as, uh, you know, taking take shots and be able to, to, to keep going and, and what it's going to be like to have Tyson lean on. Because, look, Tyson's not getting any smaller. Um, so what can he do? You know, what can he do to when when – there's exhaustion there and all that type of stuff because the other fight there wasn't a lot of pressure on him you know it was he was he was getting boxed up but he wasn't getting leaned on you know it wasn't one of these things where I think he was getting exhausted and I don't think of Deontay as a guy who taps out on energy quickly um so what you know what is the strategy going to be for him I think in these times when you take a beating like that a lot of people don't see a, a route for you to go win for me, I look at Deontay, I know how he's got to go win. He's got to find a way to get that right hand on Tyson Fury uh, to create, and, and especially get some distance between him and Tyson Fury so he can load up on it. He's not a guy who's going to come in with one of those like patented uppercuts or anything like that. Like He needs to get distance so he can have that wild shot come from somewhere, uh, load up on it a little bit, and Tyson just didn't give him any place to breathe that last fight. But as far as if we if we're to look to the matchup of Tyson versus AJ... Um, this again, I, I, if I am, if I am a, a Tyson Fury fan, I'm not too worried about this. Just seeing, just, first of all, we got to remember how, how much the guy was out of the sport and he's only had, you know, like five fights on this comeback trail where he is really gotten better every single time we've seen him. Um, you know, maybe the only time you could argue that he didn't was, was, was against uh, Schwartz where he had the bad cut. Which uh, you know probably would have been stopped if he was a lesser fighter, if he was a lesser name. So, but other than that, I think we see a, a new bag of tricks. We do see a guy getting better. Remember, he's not old. I mean, these guys, heavyweights, can go for a little bit. I don't think he's going to fight much longer uh, because, again, I don't, I don't think of him as a as a bull leaper. I think if he says that he's got four fights left in him and he's got these, you know, the Wilder fight, the two AJ fights, and then you know maybe some kind of super fight. I think that's it for him. I don't. I don't think there is going to be anything else for Tyson Fury. Um, how does AJ beat him? You know, AJ's got to be able to to. He's got to be able to to give him something that I think almost makes the Tyson Fury fight like the old Tyson Fury, where he's on the outside. He's a little bit worried. Can he catch him with something that um, that's that's impactful? You know, there's just a couple things that would worry me if I'm an Anthony Joshua fan around it. One. Um, if Tyson does start carrying around this ability to put people away, if we do see him put um, Deontay Wilder away, I'd be worried about that because that's really a tool that not a lot of people go into the, the, the they didn't go you didn't go into Tyson Fury fights fearing the knockout. You you feared getting shut out. 
And so now you have a whole other ball of wax that you have to deal with with a guy who's bigger than everybody. Um, so I think it's tough. I think it's tough to, to look at this and, and find where is the gauge for Joshua to win because I don't think we've seen the best Joshua for a long time. Um, and I'm not saying that he's washed or over the hill. I just feel like we haven't seen him take on, you know, we haven't seen him that blood and guts cut type of performance that we saw him win against Vladimir Klitschko with where it was one of the most thrilling heavyweight fights you'll ever see. But the other ones, they've, you know, there's been a lot of kind of waiting around, a lot of, you know, doing fun. There have been fine performances, but they haven't been spectacular. Uh, even the even the Andy Ruiz fight, um, I thought that he could have gotten them out of there in, in much more spectacular fashion, especially the way that that Andy beat him. And a lot of people look at AJ and they say, and AJ defenders will say, well, so he shows a more well-rounded game plan and you're going to rip him for it. It's not rip him for it. it. It's to show the world that that was a fluke. You know, when Haseem Rockman knocked out Lennox Lewis, Lennox Lewis made sure people knew that was a fluke. And with with AJ, I thought that he certainly got to him early, put him down early in that fight, and he still fought that fight. You know, he, he made his point. It's almost like he made his point, but he kind of just let it roll. He kind of just kept it rolling enough just so he could get to the finish line and get the win and get it, get his belts back. It is going to be cool one way or another that we're going to have uh, an undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Um, that's been way too long. And I don't really care if uh, somebody else ends. I, there's no, you know, if, if AJ ends up having to give up one of these belts in the meanwhile, there's not going to be one of these. It, 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 yes, there'll be another piece gone. But with Deontay having a piece of the heavyweight championship, he had a claim to the title. He had held on that championship for a long time. He had beaten some good guys. Um, he had a, he had an undefeated resume. He knocked everybody out. There was a legit claim that he was the scariest heavyweight on the planet. You know, if this ends up going somebody else, if Usyk ends up getting a piece of the belt or somebody, you know, I, I just I, I don't think we're gonna have that same feeling that we did with. Oh, we need to have this undisputed, undefeated heavyweight champion of the world, and we need that. We need that 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 closure. So if AJ does end up losing one of the belts along the way, not going to be a big deal to me. I still think that uh, Tyson Fury versus AJ is for the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world because you'll have the guys with the most belts, the most prestige, the longtime rivalry, all that stuff wrapped into one, and so therefore. What else could you possibly want in, in a heavyweight champion? So, yeah, maybe somebody will have a piece of it, but they're not going to have a real claim to the title. It's just, you know, congratulations, you have this cool trophy. So, glad that we got that one, and that one's cinched up. We'll be back with more on Fighters Fury right after this. Welcome back. It's Fighters Fury, everybody. Tobin here with you. We got the chance this week to have Sugar Rashad Evans on the morning show. He's absolutely fantastic. Dude's like the godfather of South Florida mixed martial arts. Um, and really gave a lot of great insight. We got to talk to him about Mike Tyson's return as he's been hanging out with Iron Mike lately. We talked about the fighter pay issue. Um, that's been obviously the big prevalent story, and you know we'll get into more twists and turns of that uh, when we come back from this. But I want you to hear uh, Rashad's insight on this. He was fantastic. Also, um, Rashad's been teammates of Gilbert Burns and Kamaru Usman for a long time, uh, from, from the Boca gym to the Lantana gym to Hard Knocks 365, so um, he's uh, he gave a pretty fascinating uh, he gave some fascinating insight into what we can expect 
from that match between Kamaru Usman and Gilbert Burns for the welterweight championship of the world. Here's our conversation with Sugar Rashad Evans. Rashad, thanks for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Oh, no problem, man. Thank you. We were actually talking last segment. We were talking a little bit. Leroy uh, was was reminiscent about the uh, the old Tyson fights. How much of a great atmosphere that was. I saw you were uh, you were hanging out with Tyson recently. You're you're now his tag team partner, going uh, going out there. You're gonna tra- take on a bunch of wrestlers with him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, listen, if it if it goes down like that, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm with uh, Tyson's crew, his entourage, you know, um, uh, you know, Tyson Tyson's been getting active lately and. Uh, you know, part of him getting active and part of him wanting to fight is just him, him being out there. You know, so uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna go out and, um, in LA in a few weeks and get some training in with him. But yeah, he, he wants to uh, he wants to mix it up in all arenas. <laughs> Isn't Tyson his own entourage though? He don't seem <laughs> like you just walk up on Tyson. Nah, yeah, that's true. That's true. You don't walk up on Tyson. But here's the thing, Tyson. Tyson is very deceptive because he's. Uh, He's 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 very he's very humble and um, and he's easy and he's and he's very approachable. But at the same time, he doesn't he he has a fuse. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and he doesn't like to be handled too much. So then when he gets to the point where people are grabbing at him, then he then he gets ready to bite somebody. <laughs> is it is it like a like did, was he a, a guy you you, uh, you looked up to just as a, a young fight fan or shy? Like is it weird being around Tyson at this point? Like is it surreal or or is it like? Have you gotten time around him so now it's it's kind of normal, or is it always always a little surreal being around Tyson? I mean, when I when I think about it, like when I sit back and think, like, man, this is the guy who, you know, I grew up watching on TV, and you know, who my family would get around and watch his fights and all that kind of stuff. It is surreal, you know. But like when I, um, you know, when we have our quiet moments and we sit and we talk about, you know, just about life and, and things like that on a deeper level, then it's like, oh, he's he's my friend, you know. But it's uh, it, it's it's still it's still nevertheless like every once in a while I'm just like, dang, that's that's Mike Tyson, you know. So Rashad, when when I was in Cleveland, he had a place there, and we would go to the same bar and we'd sit together for a, a couple of times every now and then. So he knew all the you know guys that would hang out there. And the one thing that took us all off guard, caught us all off guard, was how soft spoken he was. And we like, man, this guy is a violent dude. And he'd be like, hey, how you doing? Sit down. What, 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 y'all, what y'all getting into? And you're like, whoa. I mean, it catches you off guard how soft-spoken and humble this dude is. It, it, really, it really does, man. And then when, and then when he, um, he opens his mouth and he lets you know some of his, his life philosophy, then you feel like, wow, this dude has it figured out in areas where I haven't even thought about yet, you know, and that's, and that's when the complexity of what Mike Tyson is really start, you know, taking hold because you see somebody who's a complete enigma. On one hand, he has this ability to be so destructive, but then on the other side, he has this this eloquent, you know, intellectual side that that's able to dissect many, you know, deep intellectual matters. Uh, before we get to UFC, one more thing on him. Like, do you like so- talking to him? Does the comeback thing seem legit? Like, why does he want to come back, and what do you think that looks like for him if he does? Uh, I think he does want to come back. I think I think for the most part, what it looks like is uh, you know may- maybe having uh, a few exhibitions or something like that. But I don't I don't know how serious of a level is going to be. I just know that he's just excited to um, to be- to be training again. And for Mike Tyson. Um, 
you know, if you follow him or, or, or you know him, you know that competing and, and trying to uh, train is something that he struggled with because he didn't want – he's worked so hard to get where he's at uh, in a, on an egoic level where he feels as if, like, when he starts to do things like fighting and he gets the attention and he gets the accolades, he doesn't want to do things to feed that ego because he knows how – uh, intoxicating that is, and he knows the path that it took him down last time. So he was kind of weary about that. But being the fact that he's um, done so much, uh, so much therapy, you know, cathartic therapy, you know, with his, uh, you know, with the toad and, and, and with other, um, you know, psilocybin psychedelics, it's been able to have him leapfrog as far as you know, just being able to, um, being able to uh, mentally put himself. Um, with understanding that he'd be able to uh, go back to competing without igniting all those egoic feelings, you know? Uh, this weekend, better knockout, Sh- Sean O'Malley or Cody Garbrandt? Who, who, which oh one did you like better? Gosh. Which one was oh better? Oh, my gosh. It, They're both so it, sick. It, it, they, they were both so sick, man, but I got to give it to Cody Garbrandt, man. You know why? Because that that punch was for me, man. You know, I was on a I, – I ended up my career losing, you know, and, and I wanted to have that moment where he did. You know, he was on a three-fight losing streak. And at that point, you know, you become your own worst enemy because it, it, winning uh, – competing is psychological for the most part. And uh, when you lose a psychological edge, that's the hardest thing to get back. So uh, to see him come back after being knocked out three times in a row and to get a knockout in devastation fa- devastating fashion that he did – it it, it uh it, it made me almost well up inside, man. <laughs> what do you what do you think is left for for Amanda Nunes to do, man? I I I marvel at how damn good she is, and every time she goes out there, she just seems at like another clear level than the rest of the uh, women she's taken on. Uh, if she, it, like at this point in her career, like would you think she just steps away and wait for something to come along? Do you just rest? Like when you're at this level of dominance, what 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 do you think keeps that that drive going uh, for someone like that? Because it feels like all the challenges they throw at her, she's just taking care of it so easily. Yeah, I think at this point with her, you know, since since now that she's really competing in the league of her own in so many levels, I think right now I think she just has to compete against herself and just try to make it so that. She makes a record, a record so ridiculous and outstanding that no one would ever, you know, surpass what Amanda Nunes has done. You know, thus far she's already has taken a step with the champ champs and become the first to defend her belt at a cha- at, at a championship weight class where she won the belt. So she's already kind of even separated separated herself from the greats. So now it's just you know she just keeps on uh, growing. But I, I would love to see another fight and maybe a part three with her and Shevchenko again, because I think Shevchenko is, is grown tremendously as well. And I think that if they fight at maybe 135 or catch weight, that could be some something to see. Now you've been one of the faces of the UFC before, Rashad. You've been to the absolute top of the sport. What what are you making of the 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 trend that's gone on the last couple of weeks? John Jones threatened to to step away, Masvidal basically walking away from the championship fight with Usman and uh, asking for his release and Connor having his, you know, quote unquote retirement, although it seems more like posturing. Uh, what do you make of this? Do you think this is uh, almost like an uprising of the stars that want to change something with UFC? Or do you think these are all kind of case by case, different, disgruntled, and that's a natural thing with fighting? What do you make of all that? No, I think these guys are waking up, you know, and you have to understand like the different eras of fighting, you know, and when I was fighting in my area, in my era, we we fought to prove that we were a sport. You know, I remember winning the Ultimate Fighter show, and um, 
you know, my mother-in-law, she says, okay, now you won. Are you going to get a real job? And, and I didn't get upset because that was, <laughs> that, that, that was the thinking back then. You know, at the end of the day, you couldn't make a living off, off of being a fighter. So um, I understood the sentiment. But um, nowadays, these guys, you know, and, and when we fought just to fight on, you know, these, you know, to fight on the big stage and these platforms that these guys are fighting on, now that these guys are fighting on these platforms, they know what these platforms mean. And they know what, you know, athletes who compete on these platforms, they get. And, um, you know, these guys also understand, you know, the, the power and currency of, of their following and, and social media has educated, you know, fighters so much on their own worth. And now there's algorithm algorithms that you can break down and you can figure out your own worth, you know, based on, you know, your following or whatnot. So you can kind of come with some kind of calculation on, on what your value is to in a specific card. So fighters are coming in there with more knowledge because, you know, people who are surrounding themselves around these fighters know there's money in the sport that's yet to be given out. What do you like from your standpoint? Do you think it's? I, I heard uh, I think Daniel Cormier say yesterday where he said I think it's better to try and keep these things private because these usually you have more progress if you just go directly and you don't air out the grievances. Do you think there is a benefit in making all this stuff private to get people behind you and let people know that you are upset, or is it better to just keep it behind closed doors? Well, if you keep it behind closed doors, then you know, then you may not have as much leverage in the situation when it comes down to uh, when it comes down to uh, having more support of others joining in on the fight. You know, um, if, if all these people would have maybe aired out their, their grievances in private, then when each of them confronted uh, their grievance, they may have thought they had been the only one going through it. But now that there's more of them signing off on the same sound, they all can understand that resonation and they all are kind of signing off on the same pitch. So I think that, you know, there is more strength in numbers, but here's, here's the reality of the situation. It, it may just be bad time for it all. And, 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 and by that, I mean, there's never a good time to, to form, uh, you, know, you know, there's never a good time for something like this. Meaning the fact that, you know, there's always going to be, oh, we, we can, you know, wait for this happen, wait for this happen. And you can always put it off. But what I mean by this might not be the timing is, is, you know, economically speaking, you know, we're, we're being thrusted into a world where we don't really know uh, what's going to be. We don't really know what's on the other side of, of everything that, that uh, we're facing. And right now we're, we're living day by day. And, you know, we don't know what, what you know, the travel restrictions are going to be and if they're going to let up or, or, or how, what is going to happen on an economic level. So the UFC has to be able to, uh, economically maneuver if there is such things that they have to make an adjustment for. So I can understand them holding back on wanting to give uh, maybe some of the money that they were unexpectedly having to spend, you know, because you got to also think about this, you know, now, now that they're having to compete under these new uh, guidelines, uh, there, there's a whole new structure that has to come into place. You know, there's a whole new financial burden that comes into place too, as far as with PPE equipment, as far as testing equipment, as far as making sure everybody's meeting the protocol and all these different things that they now have to jump through, hoops they have to jump through, is coming with a uh, financial price tag on it. So all these things are hitting their bottom line, which is hitting their fighters' bottom line. And I hear in a lot of different sports that, you know, they may have to revisit the whole pay scale to kind of uh, restructure things so then that way the sports can continue.
Rashad, I, I'm new to to MMA, so Tobin started taking me to the little local cards probably two years ago, and I'm in it. And one of the things that I hate about it is I look forward to these fights, you know, uh, the top guys fighting, and they're not fighting, and I'm tired of watching these guys, you know, fight the bottom tier of uh, you know the 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 um the rankings i want to see these guys fight each other what is it going to take for these guys to just go ahead on and fight because i don't want it to be all about money i want to see the competition i want to see them fight yeah well see that's that's the thing about it like um there there's there's a, a few different things that can be holding up the the, the, the fact of having these big blockbuster fights because we've seen some big fights like we've seen you know, uh, a title fight with Amanda Nunez and stuff like that. But I know what you're talking about when you're talking about these big blockbuster fights. You're talking about the Habibs, the the, the Masvidal's, the John Jones and Ngannou's and those kind of big blockbusters. I think a big part of them holding off on, on really pushing those big, block, just big block, block, blockbusters going forward is the fact that, you know, live gate, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I said, it goes back to this whole, this whole uh, this whole situation we're pushed in on a world level, you know, do we uh, forego the possibility of things opening up and putting a blockbuster on and, and having a live gate, or do we just say, you know what, let's have one of these big fights on and just see what we can do with just how things are? And then at the same time, you also have to understand some of the biggest fighters in the game with the biggest names like a McGregor and Habib they can't come over to the United States because of the international flight restrictions. So this whole, this whole thing is kind of filming uh, a huge, you know, convolution in, in the whole uh, UFC plans. And, you know, to their credit, they, they're doing their best to try to be the first one back and try to be the first one to, uh, to get the fighters uh, competing regularly. But at the same time, you know, it, there's, there's a lot of pains that they still need to go through. And, um, it, it's difficult because, uh, you know, it's not – There's there's this has never been done before, and there's no blueprint to do this. See, I feel better hearing that from you, okay, because I understand it, and Tobin has told me, you know, about the gate, and they're waiting, you know, they want to get the whole pomp and circumstance of these big fights, the lead-up, the gate – all, all these things that make a fight exciting. They want to wait before they yeah. put these fights, you know, until these moments. Then why won't Dana just say that? Why does he come out as abrasive as the fighters are? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. And maybe, and, maybe, and maybe it may just be his own denial in the process. Maybe he's not willing to just uh, say that, you know, things may not go back to normal for another another year or so. Or, or make it so that, you know, be, because – it, it's it's scary to think about for the most part uh, from our point of view when we hear things like we may not be able to return back to normal and do the things that we used to do for a year from now. You know that 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 brings an unsteady a unsteady uh, feeling in your stomach. You know what I'm saying? So I do understand them not saying it, but it doesn't take away from the reality of what right. what we're facing here. You know what I'm saying? Here we are. Here we are. You know. Uh, in the beginning of the summer and doesn't look as if like things are going to e- even open up until, you know, fall, you know what I'm saying? So it, it, there's, there's still a lot that uh, has to be done with this whole thing on a world level and trying to run a live sport event during this whole thing is, is tremendously difficult. 
Uh, before we get you out of here, Rashad, uh, the fight we were looking forward to the most, obviously, the, the, the old South Florida crosstown rivalry, you know, Camaro versus Jorge, that's hit a negotiating snag. Now it looks like uh, Gilbert Burns might slide in there. He's teammates with Camaro. How weird is that, that the idea that he may have to fight, you know, fight for a title outside of the same gym? Uh, like, how does that work, I guess, gym politics-wise? Is, is that is that going to be a difficult thing for them to, to navigate? Um. I'll be lying if I say it wasn't because it always is. And it always is just based on the fact that whenever you're a fighter and uh, you have to choose your camp, you pick people from your team and you have to choose what your you know, you, you choose your teammates. And you, at that point you decide and you see who's riding with you and who's not riding with you and whoever's not riding with you, you remember that. And it's just something that stays with you. So then even after this whole fight thing is done and over with, that's something you never forget. You never forget who chose what side. And um, here's another weird thing about this whole thing is the fact that, um, you know, uh, before this all kind of happened, um, Kamara was, was training uh, was, look, was, was training at, at different gyms, and now he's kind of um, – uh, he's going to train in Denver. You know, he's doing, he's doing this training in Denver. So, um, you know, uh, that may have, uh, may have been a disconnect too, as far as, you know, uh, some of, some of his teammates not feeling that, you know, not feeling that, uh, that team camaraderie around him. You know what I'm saying? So, so you, so you think it's a, a sign he may jump to another place to train for, for train somewhere else if, if it does come down to that? Well, I know I know for a fact he's training in Denver, but what I'm, what I'm saying is is um, his training in Denver may have been uh, misconstrued as like he's not being part of the team and he's leaving the team, which could have caused a little bit of dissension amongst the ranks and being like, oh yeah, well, <laughs> I'm, I got my role now, now I want that title. You know what I'm saying? So there there could be a little bit of that going on, but also at the same time, you know, getting the title shot and and uh, you know, earning it the way Gilbert did, coming from 155 and fighting his all the way, fighting all the way up through 170, and now, um, you know, getting his title shot. You can understand him wanting to take it. But my also, my thing is this right here. You know, him and they they've trained together for so long. Even 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 in this past camp, uh, Tyron Woodley camp, um, Kamaru sparred with you know Gilbert a couple rounds. You know, so it, it's a uh, it's one of those things. It's 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 no doubt um, a fight that that is a hard fight on an emotional level, uh, and it's going to be a hard fight for Kamara on an emotional level because we all came up together. You know what I'm saying? We 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 we, <laughs> we trained at three gyms together over the past ten years, and uh, we all helped each other grow. So it, it's a it's a blessing, and at the same time, it's one of those. Uh, it's a it's a sad thing too as well too, but you know it shows that the team has done the work to earn themselves to the proper position. Rashad, we always appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Appreciate no it. No problem. But thanks to Rashad for joining the show. We appreciate the former light heavyweight champion of the world stopping by. When we come back, we'll get into a little bit of some of the news of this week. Dana White responding uh, to all the the fighter pay issues, lashing out, all that stuff, whatnot. That's back when Fighter Fury comes back after this. Welcome back, everybody. It is Fighter's Fury here on 790 The Ticket to open here with you. 
So uh, some of the news of the week that we had in the world of mixed martial arts. So uh, a couple of fights. One fight that got announced, Junior Dos Santos. He is going to be fighting Jorginho Rosenstruck at UFC 252 in August. So that'll be on the, I believe that is on the Stipe DC card, which will be cool. I always like, I told you, I was a big fan of what they did uh, back with uh, this last pay-per-view card where it was Cody and O'Malley and all these guys, all the bantamweights that were fighting now, Garbrand and O'Malley, they're like starting to square off. Uh, Aljamain Sterling's around the doorstep of a title shot, all that type of stuff. So I thought... Uh, a really fantastic job. I would like them to do that, you know, something with heavyweight. I don't know if they'll get Francis Ngannou on that because obviously, you know, Francis is in line for the title. So no, neither one who wins, Rosa Strike or DeSantos, uh, who wins this fight, neither one of them is going to be up for a title shot next, especially, uh, especially Jarzinho, who who definitely has some some uh, just some building up to do. I, I think he could get right back in there and fight Junior Dos Santos and, and look fantastic. And he'll be right back on track. But um, definitely when you lose the way that he did, much like Francis did, when you know when Francis lost the way he did to Stipe, you just got some uh, you just got some making up to do. So fun fight, looking forward to it. But yeah, O'Malley and Garbrandt have been getting into a back and forth. And that's a that's a fun fight, man. We you know, we said that a lot of people jumped on that afterwards. Uh, that would be a really fun matchup. They both had these crazy KO walk off knockouts on the same card. They're both young. Um, for what you know, Cody's a former champion. So if O'Malley beats him, the only I mean, honestly, the only thing I would say where I would be hesitant to do it would be almost to protect Garbrandt a little bit because I think if Garbrandt beats O'Malley, O'Malley's fine. You lose to a former champ, there's no shame in that. But if you are Cody and you end up losing to the guy who may be the future of the division. I think that's a tough swim up because what let's just say O'Malley then just becomes champion. Um, you know, Cody's obviously got title aspirations. Does he want to, you know, does he want to be the the gateway to O'Malley winning a championship? Because that's what's ultimately going to happen. If if O'Malley beats Cody, um, a lot of people are going to start calling for title shot for him. You know that that he is that he's ready. He's beaten a former champion, uh, although at one who has a, a bit of a dusty record over the last couple of years. Uh, he had beat a former champion. They're going to start talking about it. If Cody loses to O'Malley, I do think there's going to be some people wondering, okay, here we go again. Is, you know, is Cody washed? Did he lose, you know, did, was the win over a Sun Sal? Was that, you know, beating a guy who was a little bit past his prime? So it's, I, I think the fight for sure is a bigger risk for Garbrandt. Uh, however, if Garbrandt, if Garbrandt does win, um, you're beating, you know, the hottest name in the sport and, and you're kind of taking back what was yours. I, I just think it does have a good storyline to it. You know, two great strikers, uh, both with ferocious knockouts in their last fights. And not only that, but, um, one guy was the future of this division. Now he's on his way back. O'Malley kind of is the future of the division. It just writes itself. I think it's fantastic. Uh, Dana White did say this week, by the way, that Habib Nurmagomedov, Justin Gates, he's likely going to pay-per-view in Abu Dhabi. Uh, so they're going to be over there for a little bit. And that would be in September, which is, uh, which, which is going to be, which is going to be a, a fun fight for sure. Um, it does lend, we look, we are still in a weird spot with the UFC cause we need to know, uh, what is going to happen to all these guys who are on the shelf, um, Dana White's kind of just like putting his head down and, and moving past it. You know, he went this week and was kind of like, this is nothing new. This is nothing new. And he goes, there's just a, a bunch, you know, of people who don't know the sport covering the sport. 
And if I could just address, address that for a second, first of all, you wanted this. Like, don't act like it's some. Uh, don't act like this is some some horrible thing that you have more people covering your sport. You wanted this. This is a big reason why you came back. The other thing that's funny is this is the same guy. He'll hose down any media who goes up against him. You know, like he'll go out there and he'll call mixed martial arts the people who cover mixed martial arts the weeniest, wimpiest people, and all the. And now he's upset because the people who don't know mixed martial arts. They're, they're, they're in here not talking about it. I mean, Dana would honestly just prefer just you throw it on the television and everybody's just happy. It's not the way it works. And controversy sells too. So don't act like it's a horrible thing. Um, this is different. It, it's different because the UFC's never been in a position where they've had three guys upset with the company. They've had, you know, to Dana's point, they've had moments in their sport where they've been what you guess you could call star hungry. Like, you know, Ronda leaving, Connor being out boxing, Anderson being gone, GSP being retired, uh, no Brock Lesnar. They've been through those lulls before where there really wasn't a quote-unquote mainstream star for the UFC. Um, and so it's a good thing right now. I, I think the UFC is not in that place. I think they got a lot of fantastic fighters. If they're not even stars, I think the UFC, the talent is better than it's ever been. I mean, fighting is better than it's ever been i think from a talent sample i think with the things we see in the octagon from week to week just continue to amaze me like how how good these guys are uh the skills that they develop all that type of stuff uh but it is funny he's in the spot where he's just like yeah it, you know we got all these new eyes in the sport nobody knows what they're talking about and it's like yeah but you were hosing down the people who were here talking about your sport the whole time anyway so that one's weird to me um but yeah, no, you know, look, we're still in the spot of no man's land when it comes to Jorge and when it comes to Connor and when it comes to Jones. I don't know. Uh, I guess the easy answer would be why not have if they both wanted to fix their money issues um, and maybe opponent issues. Could you do Masvidal versus Connor? You know, Con you know, that's one that Dane has poo-pooed before. Connor's been upset that he did. Um Jeez, George's been wanting that more than the Camaro fight. Let's be frank about it. Uh, could they end up ever having that happen? Would that be would that be the cure all here? I think it certainly would for George. I think if you offered Masvidal the Conor McGregor fight, I think that solves everything for him. I think it's a good comeback. I think if you don't, if Conor doesn't want to fight Tony, and you want to say, well, who's a tougher matchup, Tony or Jorge? Um, I don't think Jorge is going to try and bring the awkwardness. I don't think Jorge is going to go and try and bring him to the ground. Some weird ass choke. It's still a violent fight either way. So, you know, like, look, it's not, let's not act like uh, Tony was pulling guard against Justin Gaethje. He was up there standing banging and, and took a beating, um, you know, and, and there was talks like, to, you know, you know, to, to the point of uh, Dana said this week, well, Connor was offered, the opportunity to fight Tony Ferguson and turn it down. Said I'm not a replacement fighter, and I do think there's an argument to say if you're Connor, like if if the whole point of this is to get back to Khabib, um, and you're turning down a golden ticket to do that, can you really be upset if they're not like gonna just roll over and give you the interim title at your leisure? Like you're not, you're you. We gave you the shot. We gave you the opportunity. Um. So I do see an argument from there because his, his, you know, his problem isn't so much money. I mean, the Connor and the UFC's butt over money before. This seems like he's upset that they're messing up his plans to get back to the top. Um, which is you know it's weird. I mean, like you you know you would think the UFC wants it. They're you know Dana was talking about after the 
the cowboy fight, how much he wants Connor versus Khabib. And we're like, well, what about, you know, Tony Ferguson versus Khabib and all that? What if he messes it up? So um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, the, 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 the Jorge fight, I don't know where they go from here. You know, Dana mentioned the Diaz brothers that he compared, he compared, this kind of annoyed me because he's like, oh, he compared, he compared Masvidal to the Diaz brothers. And what is that? Because Jorge Masvidal has been in this game for a long, long time, right? He's not a guy who's just like up and vanished and has no-showed press conferences. I mean, you know, you couldn't get the Diaz brothers to do all the media that Masvidal was doing for his fight with Nate Diaz or his fight with Ben Askren, where he's become the kind of this this media darling. Everybody wants to have Jorge on their show. He's become, uh, you know, one of the big gets, if you will, of the UFC. Um, the other thing is, you know, the Diaz brothers, they're kind of in here, out there, sporadic. I mean, Jorge was coming off a busy year, man. This isn't like Masvidal wanted to come in and have this year where he was iced on the shelf. We talked to him at at, at Radio Row, and he said that 2020 was going to be a horror show, that this was, you, you thought 19 was going to be a big deal. Wait till you see what 2020 was going to bring. That's coming off a year where he traveled to London and fought Darren Till. He took on Ben Askren. Everybody said it was a uh, a nightmare matchup, and and then you know obviously had the big the big catapult show in uh, in MSG where he brought the mother bleeping rock. So yeah, excuse me if I don't buy that uh, that Jorge Masvidal is like the Diaz brothers that he marches to his own beat. Is he a unique fellow? Certainly. Is he is he as real as he gets? Certainly. Does he have that in common with the Diaz brothers? Absolutely. Is he a fun? fighter to watch yeah he has that in common but you know this guy's put a lot of years in the game um this this you know and i think when you think of the the diaz brothers you think oh difficult to deal with it's like really he does this one he does this one time in his career and all of a sudden you're comparing to nick and nate diaz guys who would you know retire no show all that type of stuff i think that's i thought that was wholly unfair of dana white to do that to to masvidal and i don't know what the answer is for 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 Jorge um because if it's not a Connor fight what do you do do you just sit here and wait for the winner of Kamara versus Gilbert um he can fight Colby I mean that's that's a that's a fun that's a that's a fun personal grudge match especially that Colby's left ATT now great backstory those guys can main event uh could frankly main event a pay-per-view if you really wanted to do it um there was another there was another one that I thought would be a fun fight for him too uh oh it's escaping me right now not Connor, not Colby. Oh, another fun fight they could do. Uh, but I just don't think, you know, for, for George, I do think it's a little bit of a, a him punching down is fighting Leon Edwards. But for me, that's having like another number one contender fight that he doesn't really need. He doesn't need to fight Leon Edwards. For the fans, it'll be fun because we'll get to see that three-piece in a soda a hundred or so times played back. But he doesn't need to do the fight. And for me, if you don't need to fight a guy of Leon Edwards' caliber, if you don't need to fight that guy to earn a title shot, why do it? And and if they're offering, if they were offering him, you know, the reports were they offered him Nate Diaz money uh, at the last minute for the Camaro fight, but the damage was done. They're not going to offer him even probably what they did for Camaro for Leon Edwards. So I don't know if that solves anything. I think that we're probably just going to sit idly by. And maybe we'll get Hori Masvidal at the end of the year for a title shot. I mean, maybe that's that's the help. I think it's either for the money that he probably wants, the only options for Masvidal are probably uh, 
title shot. He has to be, and, and I guess be happy with what they're paying him. Nick or Nate Diaz and Connor. I think those are, you know, that those are kind of the cure-alls to the situation. But they're not guaranteed for sure. That's our show for this week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. If you missed any of the show, download the podcast, radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Look up Fighters Fury. Look up Tobin on YouTube. Subscribe to us. Give us a like, a comment. Much appreciated. We're trying to build that platform for you guys. So um, hope that you guys can join us there. And everybody have a great rest of your week. See ya. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.